and you're like, you know what? Gotta buy into it. Uh, I wasn't gonna, but now that I saw that fucking giant poop emoji, this seems like a solid buy. Then it's like, come on, guy, you were gonna fucking buy into this crap. You were looking for any reason to, like, buy into this shit. And I think it's sort of like, well, people are dumb, and it's like, come on. It also, like, you're not that dumb if you can buy a fucking shit coin. It's quite complicated. Let's be very honest here. Like, you know what it is, and you know you shouldn't be buying shit coins, but you are buying shit coins because you're fucking greedy. That's all it fucking is. Let's be fucking honest here. And it's like, again, if you're an adult and you want to do that, that's fine. But don't blame that on my fucking picture. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go-to source to succeed in the fast-moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors, so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. GM, GM, and welcome back to the NFT Now podcast. I'm Matt Medved, and today's episode marks a very special milestone for us. This is the 100th episode of the NFT Now podcast, and you know we had to get a special guest to commemorate the occasion. Today's guest is Mike Winkleman, also known as Beeple, the third most expensive living artist in the world. His Everyday is the first 5,000 days piece became the first fully digital artwork to sell at a major auction house and set the record for the most expensive single token NFT sale ever at more than $69 million, captivating the space. He recently opened Beeple Studios and will be exhibiting with us at the Gateway Korea. We are bringing the Gateway to Seoul, Korea from September 7th to 8th as part of Korea Blockchain Week in partnership with Factblock. From an immersive audiovisual gallery to fireside chats and keynote speakers, it's going to be an incredible moment of convergence for the Web3 community. We hope to see you there. To learn more, go to nftnow.com slash gateway dash Korea. Now, without any further ado, the man we've all been waiting for, Beeple. Beeple on the NFT Now podcast, 100 episodes. We finally got you. <laughs> we did it. We did it. There it is. One hundo. Congrats. Congrats, dude. That's a lot. That's a lot. Wait, who was the first one? Yo, the first one was Aphoria. Oh, nice. In, Very cool. Yeah, back in like, I think it must have been April 2021. Wow. And so we've done like that 100 episodes. That's almost two years because we do it weekly, you know? That's crazy. Uh, wow. No, you guys have definitely... Uh... You guys have done a lot in the space like that Basel thing. I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, this is like a fucking city here. Jesus Christ. No, I definitely Thank I'm you, looking man. forward yeah. to Korea. I don't know if wait, that, that was already announced. So we're good. Oh yes. And we're, I'm excited to discuss yeah. it with you as well, man. Um, you know, I, I know that you, yeah, the gateway, it's been really special having you be a part of the gateway and, and uh from from Miami to Web3 Metropolis last year to uh the Gateway Korea this year. And really excited to 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 talk more about that. I mean you know, we're really excited because we really see the Asian market as like prime for for to be like like just prime for Web3 and prime to be like really huge, huge players um, in the next cycle. Um, I, I know you were recently like in Hong Kong for Art Basel and, and, and you've been you've traveled in that area. Like, what is your perspective on like Web3 in the Asian market? Um, I think, yeah, I really do think that is going to be a massive massive market moving forward because i think it is such a like more digitally focused culture already like i look at the amount of things that they do on their phone i mean look at during covid they had all these sort of protocols and they were checking in all these places and all this stuff. they just have like a more advanced infrastructure and i think they send payments much more and like they're just more digitally literate and they're they're like, you know, you look at these videos now with these girls, <laughs> the things and stuff. It's just that culture is more just digital overall. And so I think this stuff will appeal to them more naturally. Um, and so I think the reception over there that people are going to find are going to be is going to be really, really positive. Um, and I think there's also a level of fandom in Asia that is just it's like another level. Like I think when they, you look at, and I, I look at that as evidenced by the, the most popular two IP franchises in the world are Pokemon and Hello Kitty. 
And so I think it's, and I don't think most people know that, but it's sort of like when they like something, they really like that, that thing. And so no half measures, no half measures. It, it'll, it'll, you'll see that. And so, um, I really think um, I, uh, NFT projects sort of leaning into that um, is something that really can't hurt. And I think we'll just, they'll find, a, you know, a, a very receptive audience there. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been to Korea before, to Seoul? I was there. <laughs> I was there for like 40 hours once in 2000. Like 11, I did concert visuals for Big Bang, uh, K-pop. I know Big Bang. Oh, yeah. And um, with Figgy, actually. Figgy was the one who brought us out there uh, from from 10KTF, now works at, at Yuga. Um, Figgy, with Possible, I did concert visuals for them. And he was like, come out and like see them. And so I brought the like whole family out. Scotty went out with me and like everybody and. And um, we were, but we were just there for like one weekend. And, and so I'm very excited to actually get a sort of like proper kind of viewing of the city here and proper sort of like experience. Well, we're really excited to have you. At Wait, the how many Korea. other artists are coming out? Because I saw like a massive list of like, are all of those people coming to Korea? Uh, some are coming out. Some are just exhibiting. Um, okay. we'll, we'll see, kind of see it. It, uh, it's, it kind of depends on, on each of their, their circumstances, circumstances. Got but I do think there's a lot of artists gonna, that are going to be there that are coming out for it. Nice. Um, I think awesome. we've, we've, anou we've announced, I think, uh, more than 25 artists and there's, there's a bunch more to come. It's like, there's a lot of interest. So it's more about just like making sure we can give everyone the inventory and like, you know, with the gateway, we want to make sure everyone feels like we don't like to be cluttered or crowded with screens. We sure. want everyone to like, kind of feel like they have their own space. Yeah, and yeah. So, um, but we're really excited to have you, you know, September 7th and 8th, uh, in Seoul during, it's at, during, uh, Korea blockchain week, uh, free Seoul and also, um, Seoul fashion week. So there's gonna be a ton happening. Wait, all three um, of those are going week. on at the same time. All three at the same time. Jesus. Okay. Wow. That is going to be uh, ape shit. I did not realize all of that was going on at the same time. Oh, I yeah. thought they were around each other, but wow. It's yes. It's gonna, it's the, if there's ever a time to be in Seoul, that's the time. And, um, but I'd love to, you know, we're really excited to have you. I'd love to hear a bit about like, um, like what's the artwork that you're going to be showing? Um, that is a good question. I believe we're showing, <laughs> <laughs> I believe we're showing that double the everyday's box. I believe I, this is, I really should know this, but I do not. Know. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it is that box. If it is, it's yeah. a sort of like kinetic sculpture, similar to like, if you've seen human one, it's like that, but it's smaller yeah. and it's two boxes. Um, and they're sort of like counter rotating. It's, it's probably about that big. And it has all of the everydays from 2022 from last year. So it's like a compilation of them. And so there's like, you know, a lot kind of going on. And so to me, those sculptures are something that, um, I think sort of show digital art in a way where anybody can kind of, there's nothing to like get. You just look at it and it's like, wow, what the hell is that? I've never seen that. Like, that's cool. And like, even kids can like look at it and get something out of it. Um, and so I think um, to me, finding those experiences where people can see something physically that sort of shows them the craft in digital art because i think it's hard for people to see that and a lot of people think oh you just press two buttons and, blah, blah. and it's sort of like then when they but when they see something more detailed that has sort of a ton of information that there's no kind of other way that could be generated than just you know sort of sitting down at the computer and making these images um i think it sort of clicks for them that this is a medium just like any other sort of like artistic medium. Yeah, no, it's, it, those are really cool. I remember um, seeing a number of them in, in, in the flash uh, when I went to your Beeple Studios opening in, uh, in South sure. Carolina. And, um, you know, definitely it's captivating visually all that. Uh, and, and like you said, it kind of bridges that physical and, and, and digital divide. Um, 
how how long had you kind of been like thinking about that as like a means of like displaying this artwork? And um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, like like I'm sure you have plans for the future as well as to how that evolves. Yeah, I think that's something that sort of interestingly enough, the sort of um, physical aspect of kind of like making work is actually quite sort of like recent really in my sort of like overall practice because again for sort of 20 years i was like digital only and sort of like only did things on the computer and, and sort of distributed work through the internet um and then when nfts came along it there was this question of sort of like what gives this value and people really had struggled with that and to me it was sort of like well having a physical component really it doesn't detract from the like sort of like digital experience. And I think um, it's something that helps people sort of like connect with the artwork in a way that to me is often more visceral than just sort of like looking at it at your phone, which has its own sort of experience and its own obvious massive advantages because it's sort of completely portable and, and sort of you can comment on it and, and it's kind of real time. But I think, trying to deliver an experience that is more, um, I don't know, sort of immediate and singular is something that objects still can do better than phones. Um, and I think that's something that, again, we started exploring sort of right when NFTs came out. Um, and it's something that I think there's a lot of room still to present this work in a way that makes it kind of, I'm trying to make it obvious to people, sort of, that this is art. <laughs> mm. Because I think there's a lot of people that we take for granted that people get that right now. Because we're all like, of course, this is art. But that's a lot of people don't think that yet, to be quite honest. They're still like, this is, you know, bullshit, whatever, or it's just like gambling things. They don't really think of it as truly as art yet. And so they will, 100%. But I think finding those ways to make that quicker and make it more evident that this is like, okay, come on, what are you talking about? You're going to say this is like not art. Like, uh, I, I think... Uh, to me is something that uh, I think there's I, I, a lot of room to explore and I'm interested in, in trying to create objects like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think are some of like the biggest misconceptions that still exist around digital art and, and the NFT space that you encounter? Um, I don't know. It's tough because there are a lot of legitimate <laughs> um legitimate what's the word concerns or legitimate sort of critiques <laughs> um and so I, I think to me there is still i mean a lot of people just perception wise just think this is still like completely kind of like a gambling thing um and so i think that's sort of the first thing that we need to sort of like overcome. And I think um, the way that we overcome that is through putting out work that is sort of, um, I don't know, very thoughtful and meaningful and kind of something where you are thinking through the full kind of like life of the project conceptually um so that hopefully people kind of either know what they're getting into or know that they don't know what they're getting into that's fine too like if you're just sort of like okay here's where it is i don't know where i'm going with this like that's fair but like i think people need to be more honest about it but i don't know it's it's tough I think there is so much speculation in the market and that is such a like big piece of it that um, I don't know, it's tough trying to find that balance between uh, that sort of 
mode of thinking and the artistic side um, because it all kind of exists on a spectrum. Yes, I think that makes sense. Like one of the things I've, I've thought a lot about is like, one of the reasons like I know we're still early is that we still talk about NFTs as a category rather than like a new medium that transcends every category. And it's like, we lump a lot of things together sure. under this one thing that all have like different creative and consumer priorities at play. You know, if you think about the art world versus like the PFPs versus like, you know, the membership passes, and, and, et cetera. It's like, I, I do think that hopefully once we start to see these categories differentiate and, and the market, you know, the mainstream adoption continue, um, you know, we won't necessarily uh, apply the same, the same expectations to every project. A hundred percent. I think it will... I think you will see start to see more sort of like segmentation and sort of um, people recognize them. And already, I think you're starting to see that with people just more talking about PFPs kind of in its own sort of like category a lot more. Um, and so I think they are starting to sort of like separate out. And as more use cases come into play, that will, you know, happen even more as things become, okay, this is clearly a, a gaming token. This is clearly a utility token. Um, I think the conversations will start to sort of like separate out. Um, but I think what makes it tough too is there's so much, what makes it tough and, and exciting is that there's so much crossover between these things. And they have so much where they take something from the sort of, gamified concept or they take something from the sort of like PFP kind of like world or concept um, or, you know, vice versa, or the PFP world takes something from the sort of like, you know, generative art um, sort of like realm. And I think that's what makes it exciting. But I think that can also make it sort of extra confusing for consumers or, or collectors uh, around this stuff. So, yeah, I think that, to me, it is another sign that we're, I mean, obviously we're still early when we're two years into this technology that, you know, two years into, I think, you know, not even looking at the technology, but two years into, I think a lot of people in society having the idea that ob virtual objects can have value. Like we're only two years in and, and not even everybody in society even agrees upon that yet. They definitely will in the future as use cases open up for them that make sense to them where it's like, okay, yes, this is a virtual object that does have value to me. Like, uh, they'll get it. But yeah, we're definitely obviously still early when you look at, you know, a 20, 30 year time frame of what this could be when even more infrastructure is built out as well. Absolutely. And I know that you've been, you know, you've, you've been traversing through like the traditional art world as well as obviously having like the, the grounding in digital. Like, what are you seeing from the collectors there, like, and, and some of the institutions there? Are you seeing, like, a greater sense of understanding, acceptance for digital art, or? Um, I think, yes, there is a, a um, greater interest and acceptance at that level. Honestly, a lot more than I thought would sort of, like, happen, um, at least from the people that I've talked to. It's, it's sort of tough because... You don't know, like the people who don't believe in the stuff aren't going to like come up to you and sort of like be like, yeah, NFTs are bullshit. So the people you talk to are sort of like, yeah, NFTs are great. Like I get it. I see the value in digital art. I see this is a new medium, blah, blah, blah. And so there's almost this kind of like feedback loop that it gets or, or sort of like echo chamber where it's hard to sort of like tell how widely accepted this new medium is in that sort of like world. Um, but I think in terms of major institutions, obviously, you know, you see Rafik and MoMA, that's massive and has been a, a massive, massive success and something that I think has, has no doubt, uh, you know, sort of influenced a ton of people and been exactly what I'm talking about in terms of that moment where it clicks, where you're like, okay, yeah, no, this is obviously clearly an, a, a new art form and a new medium that, you know, is digital and obviously has the same sort of characteristics as, you know, painting, sculpture, blah, 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 all these other photography art form, or mediums that came before um, and, and has an impact emotionally. Um, I think, you know, that was obviously huge. And I think you're going to see more and more 
things like that where uh, museums are embracing this stuff and embracing this medium that I think is just much more visceral and much more something that younger generations, uh, especially who've grown up on phones and iPads are, you know, it has the potential to be more engaging to them, I think. Um, and so I think you'll see museums really come around to this stuff and have more and more digital exhibitions and digital sort of, you know, parts of their museum even as well. Um, and so we're still very early there and obviously museums work, um, you know, on the <laughs> slower side, I guess you could say compared to the digital world that's <laughs> we're going ape shit in. Um, but yeah, I think there is a, a, a lot of interest there and I think there's a lot of people and a growing number of people who really understand this and get this as a new medium. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. You know, I think when we actually when we originally started the gateway, like the vision there was actually like inspired by this idea that like we're all part of the last generations to grow up without digital ownership from day one. So like future generations are gonna grow up owning things digitally, they're gonna own things physically. They're not gonna like have the same hangups that we do. They're not gonna be like right click save or how do I hang it on my wall? Like they're just gonna own things digitally, own things physically and accept them both for their own like unique strengths and appeals. Yeah. And we always saw the gateway as like this glimpse into that future, you know, where like physical and digital live like kind of coexist peacefully. Um, I know that that like there's an element of that also in um, people studios, right? Where you brought like where you bring in like this, your, your digital artwork to this to this physical space yeah. um, and using it as a place where you can bring people together. Tell us a little bit about people studios and the vision there. Yeah, yeah. I think that is kind of really sort of uh, another extension of this. And I think, um, you know, what I want to do with that uh, is really bring people together to have sort of communal experiences around digital art. And um, I think even the format of how we sort of incorporated, you know, a bunch of other artists work and we had 50 artists that we um, sort of exhibited work from, from all over the world. Um, and they basically, the way it's sort of like set up, the way the studio is set up is, is, this is where we actually make these works, where we make works like Human One. Um, and then we also have kind of like a white wall, sort of like gallery space, and then kind of like a, a more digital experiential space with screens and, and sort of projectors covering all the, the areas in the, the room. And so in that space, we showed 50 different artists who basically just sent us a file, um, you know, the files of the room. And then we sort of like curated uh, you know, a list of 50 of these where we showed and each person sort of like took over the entire space for one minute and showed um, their work. And so to me, what is sort of like interesting about that is finding a way to make digital art something where it's experiential, that we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time, because that's not the way we normally experience digital art. We experience it. I'm alone or I'm not talking in the ability and I'm looking at this thing. And so finding a way to have it be something where everybody's seeing the same thing at the same time, sort of like that becomes the kind of like immediate topic of conversation to me is really interesting and sort of like fun. Um, and I think presents a lot of new ways to experiment with this framework. And we've got something coming up pretty quick here that we're gonna be uh, announcing. Uh, but I think oh, it's yeah? going to be another fun sort of like way to kind of like utilize the space and something that we're going to be sort of, um, you know, moving towards within in terms of sort of like engaging different communities and really wanting this space to be something that the entire NFT community sort of like utilizes and can kind of, you know, find value in and sort of like having events here and stuff like that. Yeah, what, one thing I thought was really striking and, and really cool about, um, you know, the the opening was the live every day. You know, I think that that was that took a, a process that uh, that is often that most people don't often have visibility into and turned it into something that not only was a shared experience, but also gave people some like insight and understanding into like what goes into making digital art. Uh, I'd love to hear like what where did you where did that inspiration come from? And like, where do you see that 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 kind of performance style going? Sure. So yeah, that 
is something that I've actually done a bunch of times before. So I started doing kind of like talks um, in 2015. And I did these sort of like all over the world at sort of like design conferences. But I, <laughs> I only had one talk and it was just about every days. And I never did another like PowerPoint <laughs> presentation and I didn't want to do it. And I just, I, it was sort of like, okay, everybody's heard this fucking talk. Like well, I'm explaining what the every days are like everybody, you know, because it, it wasn't a huge, huge community. It was, you know, a lot of the same sort of like, kind of like people. It, they, and they'd all heard of the everydays or whatever. And so I was like, okay, I'm done doing that. I'm just going to start doing the everyday live at these conferences. And so that's what I started doing. And and it would be this sort of like more a participatory thing where I'd be like calling on people in the audience and like, okay, you, what should we put in the thing? Okay, you, what what kind of clouds should the clouds look like? Okay, what is it? No, that's a good idea. Like, And so people would just be shouting out shit at me and like, um, and it was always really fun and like kind of this, like, it would be this like silly, stupid, like thing or whatever. And so when we had the space here, I wanted to sort of do that same thing. But what we ended up doing was even more than that. I would actually produce 50 separate works during that one hour. I had like a button and every time I hit that button, it would save a part of my screen where I was working, crop that out upload that to the NFT and then send that to the printers in the ceiling. We had this whole big crazy printer thing where we were dropping prints and stuff. Um, and, you know, I had to do that like 50 times or whatever during the performance. And we had all these like distractions and stuff, but I think just more higher level, this idea of digital art being something that can be a performance is also kind of new in a way. Um, it's new in that it's sort of unusual um, in that most art prior to the last sort of like 20 years maybe was generative. And even a lot of the, the things that are sort of like very popular now are still generative because again, you had to write a program if you wanted to make the art. There was no Photoshop. There was no, you know, After Effects, Cinema 4D, Unreal, blah, 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 all these tools we have. Those are relatively new in the sort of like sort of whole scope of digital art. Um, and I think a lot of those tools take a lot of time. Like these movies costing $200 million for your Avengers movie. But that's just a bunch of dorks like me sitting and like rendering buildings explosion. And, and like, you know, it, it's just a massive amount of, of sort of like sitting down and sort of like they're not quick. But the tools are very powerful. And so trying to make something with those tools in a very short amount of time, um, to me, I think has a lot of interesting performative aspects to it, especially because you can see exactly what I'm doing. You can see my viewport and you can see, okay, I moved the thing up. Okay, I like, it's, I'm not typing lines of code. I'm, I'm moving things around in real time in like a 3D space it's immediately visible and immediately obvious. Okay, that's how the picture looks now. He moved the thing. Okay, he moved the, the sun. Now the light has changed. Like, okay, now it's got grass. Now it's got, you know, this head. Now the head's bigger. Now the head's smaller. Now he turned the camera. Like, you can immediately see every single change and every single decision that I'm making. And so, to me, that makes it more like painting in a way actually because again when somebody's painting a picture you can see okay well they did that now it looks like this now it looks like this like and so i think as a performance um i don't know i think there's a lot of of different ways that that can be sort of like incorporated into you know a space obviously especially like this that is you know wrapped with like screens and everything yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, prior to coming into NFTs and Web3, I was in the electronic and dance music space. And I think there's some interesting parallels there because I've always said like electronic music is like the one of the few forms of music where the way in which it's performed isn't indicative of the way that it's created. And so a lot of people don't necessarily have the insight. They, they just That's see the final product. They see, right? Like they see the DJ set, they hear the DJ set. But like a lot of like a lot of DJs 
have very different art forms and very different strengths and skills, but it's not necessarily apparent from how that's performed. Um, whereas like they don't get that insight into the studio process, right? Yeah, so yeah. like live electronic music. Well, yeah, versus somebody else playing yeah. like the piano or playing guitar and they just sit down and it's like, well, that you just did it. You just did the thing. Exactly. Like, that's actually the entire thing. Versus like you were saying, sitting down at a computer for like fucking, you know, four weeks or whatever and placing each one of these like symbol, like, okay, there's four of these, eight of these. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, th that's not what it looks like live. And that's another sort of like piece of this, I guess, is that I came from that sort of like concert visual world. Like I worked in concert yeah. visuals for a decade prior to this. And so having a space like that, this, that's, you know, full of these giant screens, that's in a weird way, sort of like very natural to me because I produced a lot of content for sort of like live events, venues and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it, to me, that's a big parallel and a big sort of like the entire electronic music um, sort of like scene is a huge, just massive, massive, massive influence on, you know, my work and sort of like practice and, and everything that I've done, you know, over the last, my entire career. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed about the Beeple Studios opening was getting to really see like the whole canvas of the everydays and like kind of understanding like you know, just how much that has evolved for you. And, you know, some of the like really things like revisiting some of the older ones, seeing some of the notable ones. I have a, like a really good moment. I remember from the Gateway Miami where, where I was showing you around with Joe Lupin and and I actually we, we got to see the one from the merge, you know, like, came oh, yeah, on the yeah, screen. yeah. And, and, and I don't think he had seen it before. And so it was like a really nice moment to like, because it was a very significant, obviously, milestone for for him and for Ethereum and, sure, sure. and, uh, the, and the fact that you captured that. Um, I'm curious, like, what are, like, for you, like, what are some of the most, like, memorable everydays that, like, kind of still hold a, a place for you, a, a place in your heart, or, or, or not even your heart, but, like, you're just like, hmm, like, that one, that one has a lot of resonance or, or meaning for me. Um, I mean, it's very tough because there's so many that have so many different types of meaning. Obviously, some of the, like, first ones have, like, you know, kind of, like, a ton of meaning, um... And then, you know, the sort of like big milestone days, the 3,000, 5,000 and 10 years and 12 years, those are like ones that stand out. But then there's obviously, you know, a bunch that stand out either because it was a, an artwork that sort of more went viral and sort of like resonated or I turned it into an everyday in motion and or sort of some of the pieces that we've you know, got in the gallery have been made into, you know, giant 12 foot paintings. So those kind of like stand out. And then there's, you know, ones that stand out because they were certain sort of like moments in time, either in my life or in, you know, the world. Um, and so, you know, current events or, or sort of historic events. And so there's, yeah, it's just, there's so many different kind of um, sort of, ones it's very hard to pick but that's what's cool about having the canvas there and being able to like you know see all of these bigger and, and sort of oh remember this and oh, see this and da, da, da. um so yeah it's, it's really cool to be able to like experience that with other people and sort of you know see them get excited about you know an artwork that is you know some statement or that they have some sort of like personal connection to or was like a, mo a big moment for them as well Absolutely. You know, like I, I know when I when I've introduced your work to some people like they're, they're like they've asked me like, oh, like is this capturing like what's happening in the space? I'm like, yeah, like in some ways it's almost like being a political cartoonist for Internet culture. You know, it's like chronicling what's happening and like that finger on the pulse. Uh, I was curious, like if that resonates with you, if that's kind of how you think about it is it's like you're like capturing like a kind of a segment of of culture that doesn't necessarily always get um, understood or, or represented outside of uh outside of outside of itself well what's interesting about that is that, that is what i'm trying to do i'm trying to capture the things that are going on in the space but sometimes people mistake that for me endorsing or not even endorsing they think that just giving attention to certain things going on in the space, things that I don't like, that they don't like, um, 
is not good. And to me, that seems like a very, it seems like kind of a very elitist attitude, to be honest, because it's sort of like, well, I understand this and I'm not going to buy this. And more specifically, this has sort of kind of recently come up um, as there's been a number of bad actors who shall remain nameless <laughs> in the space who I have chronicled their doings, should we, as we say. Um, and the purpose of that is not to boost them, even though I know this might inadvertently boost them, but it is to, again, document this culture and what is happening in this culture so that we have some record artistically of what happened here and all these things that we capture our attention. And to me, it has to capture the attention of everybody um, or minimally a large portion of people before, to me, it seems like something that I should make a piece about. And sometimes there's things where it's like, oh, God damn it, I don't want to do this per se, but everybody's talking about it. And so I feel somewhat obligated in a way to sort of like chime in or sort of like make some sort of at least acknowledgement, I guess, that this is sort of like going on. Um, and yeah. And so to me, again, it's sort of like the news. It's like the news reporting on something negative happening. That's not an endorsement. That's just like, this is what's going on. I, I don't know what, it, it, again, it's like, I didn't, this is already trending. You know what I mean? Like this was already something that had captured the attention of our community, digital art or sort of NFT, whatever, crypto community. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's like, you know, the, the NFT crypto Web3 space is such like an attention economy, right? Like, and it, it thrives off attention now it, it more than ever. Now it's thriving off of engagement, especially now with like the monetization of Twitter now known as X and all that. And like, you know, that, that whole concept of like, there's no such thing as bad press or like thing like seems to like be kind of like. Yeah, the, I don't think the, that's the, the case the, though. Like people yeah. saying there's no such thing as bad press. I really do not think that's the case anymore. I think there is a lot of things that can be bad press where it's just sort of like, no, that is not bringing good attention to you. Like I, I really think there could be good press and there could be bad press. Like. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that like that may drive that mentality, though, is sort of people being like, it's an attention economy, so they're getting attention. It's like oxygen, et cetera. But it's like you also have to document the times. But that's the know? thing and that sort of like the just getting attention sort of removes the the um, it kind of remove it, it assumes that people, if they just get attention, that some people that people will just automatically buy into their projects. And it's sort of like, again, people have to make the conscious choice to buy into this crap. And it's sort of like, if you see some picture from me that is portraying this project in a very negative light, and you're like, you know what, gotta buy into it. Uh, I wasn't gonna, but now that I saw that fucking giant poop emoji, this seems like a solid buy. Then it's like, come on, guy, you were going to fucking buy into this crap. You were looking for any reason to like buy into this shit. And I think it's sort of like, well, people are dumb. And it's like, come on. It also, like, you're not that dumb if you can buy a fucking shit coin. It's quite complicated. Let's be very honest here. Like, you know what it is. And you know you shouldn't be buying shit coins. But you are buying shit coins because you're fucking greedy. That's all it fucking is. Let's be fucking honest here. And it's like, again, if you're an adult and you want to do that, that's fine. But don't blame it on my fucking picture. <laughs> it, is, it is funny that this is like where we're at in the cycle where like, like shit coins and meme coins are driving the discourse. And like, it's, it's just, you know, this we is circle like- back. This... We circle back right. around. Yeah, it's definitely, it's very odd. And it's like, to me, this is my- 
this is my first go at the rodeo because again, I was not in crypto before. So all this like shit coin stuff and all this stuff, I honestly find, I find it to be fascinating because it's again, something very new to me. Um, and it is a level of gambling that is, <laughs> I thought NFTs were gambling and it's like, wow, this is like, whoo. That is another thing, especially because it's so much on the whim of these like rando dudes that it's just like, I hope this dude doesn't fuck me over. I could make some money, but yeah, he might fuck you over and he probably almost definitely will eventually fuck you over. It's just win. <laughs> so it's like gambling on when these dudes will fuck everybody over. It's just it's such a like bizarre and like how these communities form up and like people all sort of like, you know, jumping on Twitter and like pumping these sort of like crazy things. And then it's like onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And it's like, it's such a, to me, like fascinating, weird kind of bleeding edge case almost of crypto. That's like, I don't know, just, to me, I think um, something worth making art about that hopefully people will look back and be like, wait, what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> because that's the thing, too. It's so coded, too. It's like so many of these things are like memes upon memes upon memes upon memes. Um, and I think that's really interesting, too, that it's this crazy, like complex, like, you know, culture that is is very hard for the outside world to have like any understanding of what these people are like doing and how they're like gambling on these things and this this how these economies work um yeah yeah it's like a new level of degeneracy it, it is i i mean that's the that's probably the easiest way to say it <laughs> um yeah, like, like you said, it is kind of like this is your first time like going through like the crypto cycle and, and, and all that. Um, like what 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 would you say? Like what are some of like the you know, the bear markets? Obviously, like, you know, there's there's plenty of negativity, doom and gloom, all that. But there are also like historically, like the bear market is also the time that a lot of innovation has happened and people who have been building, um, you know, like like have been building the things that are going to like drive the next the next cycles to come. I'm curious, like. What have you been seeing during this period that's either inspired you or, or, or has kind of like like has has you thinking like, hmm, this could be like like a like a positive force? Yeah, I think um, it's very tough because it's there's so many different ways that um, this is sort of like moving. And I think that's what makes it exciting is there's a lot of different um, opportunities to show people what this stuff can be. Um, I think people are sort of like very, like NFT has become, the reason we're in a bear cycle, I mean, let's just be honest, is because NFT has become a very dirty word that it's like, oh, that scam bullshit. Like it's just, it's really, um, you know, become something that people need to be very careful that they are trying to build something again that is going to last and is not just some sort of quick pump and dump scheme thing where, you know, everybody feels tricked or they, you know, immediately lose a bunch of money on this thing they just bought. Um, and so, which again is, is very, very hard because people get so excited about things. Um, but I think some of the people, like I look at, at Jack, what he's doing with checks and, and Opepin, I think is, is super interesting. And I'm, you know, really excited to see where that goes. I think, you know, what Rafiq's doing, obviously, in the museum world is, is really cool. And I think he's really bringing in people and sort of um, making it, it something that I think is, is very obvious to people. I think um, what Snowfro is doing with with generative art is is super interesting and something that um, you know I think is obviously you know he's truly 
passionate about educating people on this stuff and really, um, you know, uh, uh, making them see the value of this. I, you know, the Vera Molnar auction that they just did, I thought was awesome to see in such a like massive moment and something that, um, you know, I, was, I, I think is really, really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of people who are doing, pushing in different directions. Um, and, and this is just a few out of obviously many, many people who are doing, you know, really cool things. I think what you guys are doing is really cool, trying to sort of, you know, make this accessible, especially during these events and sort of bring in people and, and, and make it something that, um, you know, and, and also just the news and sort of educating the space on, on sort of what's going on and, and sort of highlighting you know different artists and, and different people's practices i think all these things sort of like combine to um you know make a community that is more resilient because at the end of the day and, and i do think that's where again what we're trying to do with you know sort of like people studios and some of this other stuff is have a physical space to sort of like you know continually kind of like bring people together um, because I think at the end of the day, what's going to get us out of this bear market is when the amount of demand for NFTs outpaces the supply. So I think right now it really kind of needs to be about in a way sort of strengthening communities and sort of showing people, um, the, the sort of like true value in this outside of the speculative stuff and, and finding the people who really do care about that. Because there's absolutely a community of people out there who, you know, price high or low, they're going to be around. They're, they're not going anywhere. They truly love and believe this stuff. You know, if it gets really fucking bad, they're going to be like, everybody's fucking crazy. I don't know what to tell you. I fucking love this shit. I'm not going anywhere. And, um, you know, connecting with those people and sort of growing that level of sort of like passion and belief in this stuff is something that, um, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that people are going about it, but it's going to take time. And I think patience right now, again, this is, I, I'm no fucking saint here in terms of patience. I'll be the first to say that, but it's, uh, I think that's just what people need. And that, to, again, sort of, focus on what they can do to add some tiny value, bit of value to the overall sort of like ecosystem. Yeah, no, that definitely resonates. You know, one of the things um, we often say with, with, especially with the gateway last year was, you know, bringing people together, like cutting through the noise, like we've always wanted to be like the signal, the noise. And I think like, you know, there was so much negativity last year around that time. Like it was right after the FTX collapse, like, you know, um, and, you know, I like, I feel like we're really fortunate, like, like in the sense that like, like we get to speak to incredible artists, incredible builders, like kind of visionary people in the space on a regular basis. We get that energy. We get that like inspiration. But for a lot of people who don't like really work in Web3 or don't, it's not like their main thing. All they see is like what they see across their Twitter feed, which is usually like the worst, like most negative stuff. And like part of like the, the gateway idea and, and one of the reasons why we made uh, it free for Miami too was like we wanted people to, to we wanted there to be no barrier to entry also wanted people to be able to leave feeling as inspired about the space as we'd you know and be able to like because it just hits different IRL right it just hits different to like actually see the people interface with the people who are really building everything for the, for the future yeah I think it's definitely that's what sort of like again turns these into, in my opinion, sort of like true communities. When you truly know a bunch of people in the space, you care about them. Oh, you've got kids. Oh, you got this or that. And you have a deeper bond over this shared thing. Um, I, I think that's what makes for a more resilient community, in my opinion. Um, and something where people aren't, you know, flaking out when the price goes down because the price is, this is going to have many ups and downs as this sort of, you know, goes on over time. And I think, you know, connecting with those people um, is something that I think also sort of like inherently kind of adds value to this space too. 
Um, because as you make those connections, I think that is kind of tied to sort of the value and sort of like ownership of these, you know, assets or things or whatever. Um, and so I think, yeah, like you were saying, if you're not kind of active in that, then it's easy to just be like, well, I bought this fucking JPEG two and a half years ago or fucking 18 months ago. And now it's worth a fucking, you know, bazillionth of a percent of it. Like, yeah, then it's very tough. So I think trying to find ways to, to bring in those people, like you were saying, who are on the outside and just more passive um, sort of participants in this ecosystem, um, I think will really, again, sort of net dividends in the future as they become more, um, you know, just engaged and more uh, part of the community, I guess, and feel like they're part of the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's one of the reasons why we're really excited to bring the Gateway to Korea. We're really excited to have you be a part of that. You know, it's been really interesting, you know, seeing this sort of like global cultural crossover moment that like Korean culture has had. I know you mentioned that you did visuals for, for Big Bang. Um, you know, when when I, I actually lived in South Korea and Seoul taught English there back from like 08 to 09. Oh, wow. And all, all my students were obsessed with Big Bang. That was like their favorite band, that's their funny. favorite K-pop band. And that, and that was a time when like K-pop was very regional, right? Or, you know, like it was, K-pop was big across Japan, it was big across Asia, Southeast Asia, et cetera. But like now you have, now you have like Blackpink headlining Coachella. You've got big band, or you have a BTS, excuse me, the BTS, like one of the biggest bands in the world. You've Crazy. got Parasite like winning an Oscar. You've got Squid Games number one on Netflix. Like, like I'm curious, like, like what are your thoughts on like sort of just the the global moment that like Korean culture is having? Um, I mean, those are all good points. I didn't really actually put together all of that shit. That I mean, that is actually very crazy now that you like connect all those dots there. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think whatever they're doing, it's resonating with everybody else. <laughs> I don't fucking know. It's just like it's like oh, that's pretty cool what do you got there that's pretty cool i will uh, here's another case in point at the the um venice biennale the korean pavilion was just like literally the most insane shit like i have ever fucking seen they had this like weird like snake thing where it was these screens. I saw that. I was there too. The screens, and so you would see the like, the the like crystals, like like the the you know LCD like sort of like kind of breaking or whatever the liquid or I don't even know what the fuck it is. And it was like, and it it was on these motors that would bend these screens, and it was a snake of this like massive, massive like thing. And it was just like, what in the fuck is this this is like the craziest robotics thing like i've ever seen they, they had a number of other crazy like robotics things it was like insane so it's like yeah i don't know they're just like on another fucking level there it was yeah i, I don't know what the hell they're doing but keep doing it. <laughs> I, I i love it i i also was at the vesbianella and i saw that snake that snake was out of control they had all sorts of like crazy robotic like like interesting things. I don't even know how to describe it, you know, like, like what they had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, it's like, I think like Korean culture too has like always been ahead of the curve. Like when I, um, when I was there teaching English, I remember I doing a careers lesson and I was asking my students, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I thought they were saying programmer, but it turned out they were like, no, 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 teacher, pro gamer. Like all of them wanted to be, like be gamers. I remember turning on the, the TV and seeing StarCraft on TV, like Twitch before there was Twitch, like yeah, yeah. analog Twitch, you know? And, and so it's like, you know, they're, I mean, they pretty much invented esports. And so it's like, it's just really interesting to think about like, just like, like what's to come from that region in this space that's so driven on innovation. That is very interesting. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't really sort of fully put together how kind of like ahead of the curve they have been on, you know, sort of like so many things. But yeah, you're you're very much right. Um, no, I think it'll be super super. Now I'm even more excited to go. <laughs> I'm excited to have you. It's gonna be a blast, man. Um, well, look, uh, some, you know, I think something to address that we don't need to go into the details. But you you and I were both victims of sim swaps over the past over the past week. 
Um, you know, learned a lot of lessons from dealing with that. It's incredibly, it's incredibly overwhelming. It's, inc it's incredibly stressful. Um, but, uh, you know, I learned, you know, to always, you know, for all platforms, use 2FA that's not through your SMS, whether it's an authenticator or a physical key. Just wanted to, um, like, I know, I know that, that this is something you've been through, like any lessons learned or, 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 or points for, for the audience, you know, to keep in mind around this, because it's a growing, it's a growing threat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, I had, yeah, pretty good sort of like security and was able to like get control of everything pretty quick. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, making sure you're using some like authenticator or something that's not on the phone is very key. Um, but it's, it's very, <laughs> it's very frustrating. And, and I think, um, anything people can do to like sort of protect themselves, obviously they need to do, it, but anything people can do to build infrastructure around this to make it better, I believe there is a massive opportunity there because this is not it yet. Like it's very, um, I don't know, frustrating, but yeah, it's it's something where people need to really you know, especially if something like this happens or any hack happens, like you need to, in some ways, slow you. It's tough because you need to act quick in some manner, but you also need to like slow the fuck down and like make sure you're thinking because like when this happened to me yesterday or whatever, they started sending phishing emails, which if I would have clicked on those, that would have been another way I was getting fucked. So it's, it's, um, yeah, I think. Just do whatever you can and make sure you're moving slowly and, and not, not uh, you know, keeping everything in one wall. Like trying to do as much as you can with like a burner wall that has nothing in it. Um, or, or, you know, which again, I you know, is tough, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot to be done on the infrastructure side around yeah. this stuff. Still, security-wise, it's, it's crazy that it's like still a thing. It's just you know that they can just come in, impersonate you, and it just happens. It's just like we were talking about before. It's just like this huge attack vector where, like, you know, because it's like pretty entry-level employees who have access to do this stuff. Like, it's really hard to like control for. Um, but it's like I just like I I I can't believe it's still a thing. It's you know, very annoying. It's very annoying. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, yeah, that, that, I, that actually, that shout out to my boy, Zach, that Zach, uh, XBT dude, um, messaged me after and said, oh, let me look up the thing. He said, this is straight from your boy, Zach, to look into this Ifani. Yeah. Um, a few people messaged me about that as well. So... Yeah, he was saying, so apparently sim swapping Afani, so we're going to look into that and get that set up. Um, so, yeah, I think that might be a thing. There it is. Um, well, I think I think it's time for Bullish or Bearish, our, uh, our rapid fire segment. <laughs> okay. So let's get into it. Mike, I'm curious, are you Bullish or Bearish on OpenSea? Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, these are really put me on the spot here, bro. <laughs> uh, we might... <laughs> I know, let's see. Uh, okay, wow, that is... Okay, the... I, thought we were... I thought these were going to be a little more softball. Like, are you bullish or bearish on, like, fucking grapefruit? Or, like, fucking, you know, like... We can do grapefruit, too. We can do grapefruit, too. walks through the fucking thing. I didn't realize I was going to be straight up fucking roasting fucking shit to the companies. Okay, I'm not sure. Let me hear the other ones here, and then I'm going to decide if I can even... I'll give you, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a softer ball one. Okay, what else we got? That's bad. We got... We got bullish or we got bullish or bearish AI art. Okay, let me just let me qualify this. I think that let me just say something on the like marketplaces in general, because I think that's another thing that people are very sort of like talking about. I think <laughs> these marketplaces are in a tough spot. Um because again, there's not it's it's sort of this 
I don't know. It's sort of this race to the bottom in terms of how much you can charge as a platform fee. And I think the things that Blur are doing with all of this crazy <laughs> derivative sort of whatever farming things and whatnot, um, I don't know. And obviously OpenSea is competing with that as well. Um, it's just... I don't know. I don't actually have any good answer on the marketplaces because they're in a tough spot. It's a tough spot, 100%. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> next. Uh, bullish or bearish AIR? AIR, definitely bullish. I think... Um, okay, sorry. This is a lightning thing. Okay, keep going. No, no, no. You can tell us the rest. No, no. I just think we're, you know, at the very beginnings of that, and I think it's, you know, super exciting as well. Uh, bullish or bearish, uh, Web3 Gaming? Web3 Gaming, bullish. Last one, last one. Uh, bullish or bearish, Open Editions? Open Edition. Mm, I'm going to have to... Yeah. See, that's the thing. These are so hard. Because there's so much nuance in them. Like, how can you be bullish or bearish open C? Because it's sort of like, to me, it's kind of like, I want open C to be good. I don't want them to do bad things. You know what I mean? Like, I want there to be- You want to see them win. You want, you want to see them succeed. I want to see things, them succeed. Like, positive like, I want them to be yeah. a good, awesome marketplace. Like, what are we talking about? Why would it not be good to have another good, awesome marketplace and have there be true, you know, good, innovative competition and whatnot. Um, so it's like, of course, I don't want them to fail. Um, and so, you know, and I want them to, to do things that, you know, make it easier for artists, make it easier for collectors. And, and I think, uh, yeah. And I think the open edition thing, too, these are very hard. I thought the, <laughs> the open edition thing, too, it's not really like, there's a good way to do it and there's a shitty way to do it that it's sort of like, yeah, I don't know that, you know, that was in the best interest of, of you, especially because, um, yeah, I mean, how long you, you sort of have them available, um, what you, the price point, the sort of like the whole conceptually, like, why are you doing an open edition? I think there definitely can be times where um, it makes sense. And I think it, can be times where it's like mm, that was a bit of a money grab like i don't know that that was you know what i mean so yeah i think um yeah it's very nuanced and i think that's what's exciting about the space and also what makes the space very very tough and i think it also can get out of your control in a way yes and no because you can always cut off an open edition but i don't it's it's very it's yeah i don't know these things are very 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 nuanced um in the ways that they work and the ways that they do not work and you've seen many examples of well you've seen a lot more examples of how they don't work <laughs> <laughs> but there's been a few not examples of, of sort of them working i think it's yeah, it's very tough. I think what's exciting about it is seeing how, um, you know, these things can potentially, you know, change and sort of be different things in the future and, and sort of how people have taken that, you know, taken open editions and now sort of here was this open edition and oh, now I'm going to split it into these different versions or sort of do things around that. And that's something that's, you know, we've, only seen in the last sort of like six months or so. And I think that's something that is really exciting and, and sort of, again, points to the fact that we're very early in this. And that, again, you could have some of these additions that are big additions and they started out all being the same thing, but then maybe in the future, they're not all the same thing. They become something completely different and sort of, you know, take on a new life. And this was just the beginning of that sort of, um, you know, NFTs sort of like journey. And to me, that's really exciting and, and something that um, I think 
there's a lot of room to sort of like explore around as well. Absolutely. No, I, 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 lo I love it because there is nuance to it. And so I, I like the explanations. Mike, always a pleasure chatting with you, Thank man. You Thank you for Thank coming you. on the NFT Now podcast. We're excited to have you at Gateway Korea. I will see you in Seoul. There it is. There it is. Thank you, sir. Wow. Well, that was worth the wait. I love people's perspective on capturing the zeitgeist with his everydays, his thoughts on the Gateway Korea and the Asian market at large, and of course, his unvarnished opinion on the state of the markets, meme coins, rug pulls, and all. I want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you who has tuned into the NFT Now podcast over the past two years. It's been an incredible journey since we launched this thing in April 2021. The space has changed considerably, but our conviction in the power and potential of this technology has only increased. We wouldn't be here without you, and we look forward to the next 100 episodes of the NFT Now podcast. We will see you again next week.